Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast, episode number 19, year two. Well, yesterday, I did not achieve my goal of recording my podcast on the day. I really am trying to do that more, and hopefully today will be the day, right? It's always a new day, new possibilities. But it is the 20th, and January 20th is my birthday. Now, I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'll talk about that on tonight's podcast, but I am going to talk about yesterday, the 19th. And I'm doing this in a little bit of a different way because I wrote my thoughts down and I'm going to read those to you. Hopefully it won't sound too much like I'm reading it. If you are a follower of the podcast from the first days, which were a year ago, you may recall that I usually wrote it down and read it in those earliest days. And then at some point I realized that just took a lot more time writing it and then reading it. And then I just went extemporaneous, which as I go back and I listen, I I think that is the better way doing it extemporaneously. But I wanted to write this one down because I really wanted to sit with my thoughts about what I'm going to say. And writing it gave me the opportunity to do that. Now, please understand that when I record the podcast extemporaneously, I am sitting with my thoughts ahead of time, but I'm not really sitting with them in a way that writing, reflecting, reviewing allows. So it is different. But again, I wanted to do it this way today. And I think you'll understand why when I begin in a moment. But yesterday, the 19th, I did keep my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the presence of God. And just as a programming note, um, I'm not going to put the commercial in this one until the end. I don't want to interrupt the the flow of the thoughts or the writing that um, I'm sharing with you. And as always, I am glad that you are here with me to participate. When I first saw the video of the teenage boys harassing and intimidating the senior American Indian man in Washington, D.C. on Friday, many emotions washed over me. Confusion as I tried to figure out what was happening in the shaky, misaligned footage. Disbelief that grinning, chanting, taunting white boys would press against that native man in such an aggressive way. And disbelief in how he could remain calm and keep drumming and singing in the midst of their aggression. When I saw that some of the boys were wearing Covington Catholic shirts and other items, I felt a sense of recognition. When I sold educational materials a decade or so ago, I briefly visited that boys' high school across the Ohio River from Cincinnati. These boys weren't just from some school, somewhere, rather, The boys in that video were from a school I knew and one not that far from where I live. I also knew why the boys were in D.C. on Friday for the March for Life, a rally to which a number of my own Catholic high school students attended. With my own experience of being an adult chaperone on high school trips, I wondered where the adults were as the boys intimidated and taunted. Did this happen while the boys had free time away from the adults? Were the adults there in the background tacitly endorsing this behavior? 
I wondered, as I'm sure many viewers did, what will happen next to these boys, the school and diocese, and even the reputation of Catholic education and the Catholic Church in the U.S. I had to wonder what would I have done if I saw some of my own students doing this, to wonder what my principal and other admins would do when these boys return to school. Actually, I know the answer to this, what if. My principal constantly makes it clear that all of our students are hawks, our mascot, 24-7. And if that student doesn't represent the values of the gospel of our school slash faith community at all times and all places, he or she may very well be asked to no longer be a part of our hawks family. I know nothing about the principal and other administrators of Covington Catholic, but I sincerely hope that he or she has a similar way of viewing the character and behavior of the school's students and policies which back this up. When I saw in the video the number of boys wearing the red Make America Great Again hats, a deeper, more visceral feeling of anger rose in me. What might have been just dumb, disrespectful, oafish white boys being idiots now took on the heavy layer of meaning of the tribal politics in which our nation is stuck right now. The irony of that word, tribal, strikes me. The native man, Nathan Phillips, identifies with a deeply rooted tribe, the Omaha, in his case. And we, who don't have a native tribal connection to history and this American land, or are choosing excuse me, to adapt adopt shallow yet seductive political tribes like MAGA, Trumpers, the rising AOC progressives, Bernieites, and so forth. It would be easy and self-righteous for me to say, like so many others I read on Twitter and elsewhere yesterday, that what these boys did in the aftermath is, quote, another salvo in the culture war, or it's a symptom of the anger and tension and the government shutdown especially as some of the boys were heard chanting, build the wall. And while I could jump into the political dogpiling this incident is getting in the media and the internet, today I want to choose instead compassion for these white boys. For I was a white boy in high school once, albeit 30 years ago, in a world without the incredibly powerful and generally untethered internet. I was suburban and conservative back then in 1988, my high school graduation year. I supported then-President Reagan. I then worked a bit that fall on George H.W. Bush's successful presidential campaign of 1988. While I was a freshman at the University of San Francisco, I will never forget Election Day 1988, riding a motorized cable car, an open-aired bus really, around San Francisco all day, chanting Bush slogans while yelling and screaming. I will likely never again see as many middle fingers pointed at me in my lifetime. But that was part of the fun. I was young, uninformed, obnoxious, self-centered, and with a group of people who supported my behavior. So I do get white boys behaving badly. In no way, though, does it excuse their behavior or the consequences it should rightly lead to. And yet, it is different for these white boys at this time in American history. 
We are in such an extreme place with a president who daily gets away with vulgarity and cruel statements. A government who cannot pass a budget, a government workers who keep us safe and well have to worry if they can pay their rent and mortgage today. A digital world where all sorts of bad behavior gets broadcast and then both scorned and celebrated by strangers far away from the Instagrammed, YouTubed, or Snapchatted incidents themselves. And a media constantly looking for the next video, next tweet, next statement, which seems to prove one narrative or another. These oafish boys are now caught up in all of this. I do hope that it can, as some of us have suggested, become a teaching moment for every one of us, not just teachers in a Catholic school classroom. Can we reflect and learn about the context from which this behavior came, both what the boys are seen doing in the video and the firestorm now blazing? Can we do this right now before the next incident happens and we forget all about this particular one? I encountered two things since I first saw the video and began to think about it yesterday. First, I just started reading the highly praised, one of the best books of 2018 novel called There There by the Cheyenne and Arapaho writer, Tommy Orange. In the prologue of this debut novel, he gives a brief history of how Native Americans have been abused, massacred, and disrespected throughout U.S. history. Orange writes of the aftermath of a massacre in Sand Creek out west back in the last century or the century before. He writes, Colonel Shivington danced with dismembered parts of us in his hands. With women's hair, drunk, he danced, and the crowd gathered there before him was all the worse for cheering and laughing along with him. It was a celebration. The cheering and laughing the boys do in the video is nothing new in U.S. history. I do hope part of the teaching moments of this incident can be learning about how the treatment of the Native American man in the video is as old as the first white people arriving on these shores. And then later, yesterday afternoon, I was reminded of a song and a video of my favorite British singer today, Frank Turner, who I've talked about on this podcast previously. The song is called Let's Make America Great Again, and it is as thoughtful and direct as it is downright catchy and inviting of a sing-along. I'll post a link to the video, which was shot in Austin, Texas during South by Southwest last year. It's a simple one, just a wide range of people holding a whiteboard on which they've written what they think makes America great today. Many of the answers focus on diversity and the freedom to be who we are. Freedom to be quirky, odd, idiosyncratic, or freedom to be oafish, idiotic, and insensitive. And maybe this is really the question we are wrestling with, with at this time. What is it that makes America great today? Not back then, whenever then was, but right now. Honest determination of this requires all of us to look at our history and acknowledge how times of reprehensible treatment of other human beings has led to some of the suffering many face today. We have to look at our political system to see both the strengths and weaknesses that are being exposed during these days. 
And most of all, we need to live out the truth that those boys were in D.C. to proclaim. Remember the March for Life that brought them to our nation's capital on Friday? The truth that, by virtue of our creation, creation in the image and likeness of God, every single human life is sacred and has infinite dignity. May our teaching moment be to humbly remember this fundamental truth, repent and atone for when our nation and each of us individually did not treat entire groups of fellow humans in ways honoring their God-given dignity, and to pray that we may all grow in kindness, compassion, and love, as it is only by living kindly, compassionately, and with love for all others that America can be great today and tomorrow as well. And so I end with questions. Questions for you to reflect on your response and reaction to the video, presuming that you have seen it or at least have heard about it at this point. And also your response and reaction to what I have shared here, my thoughts and my reflection, what I feel about this time and place and the teaching, especially, that each of us is being called to do in whatever way possible and with, ever, with whomever possible people in our lives that we interact with and communicate with. And also, where is God in this is always the question that I seek to ask in this podcast and in my own day-to-day life. And I ask you that question to reflect on. Where is God in this? In this incident, in this time period, in this nation, at this point in history, in our faith community, the Catholic Church, and so many other faith communities? Where is God in the midst of this? And most importantly, where is God calling us to be grow to, to learn to, to become individually and as a nation and as a planet created through the love and goodness and grace of God. As always, thanks so much for listening. Blessings and peace.